0: Welcome back to Four Eyes, the podcast series that gives you a clear view into the optometry world across Canada and the U.S. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Amrit Bilku.
1: I'm Dr. Deepan
2: Kar.
0: Hi, I'm Dr. Ravinder Vandava. And I'm
1: Dr. Alex Kuhn.
0: We're really excited for you to be on here. Um, I'm definitely fangirling a little bit too, because when we discovered your social media, especially your Instagram... Your content is just like amazing. I don't understand oh, thank how, you. <laughs> I don't thank know you. how you have the time to make these wonderful posts and do your mini um, rounds. Yeah. The neuro optimal, <laughs> Rav, Rav Deepon and I for sure and Alex are obsessed with those ones because like we just, we learn so much mm-hmm. on a platform where everything is just quick and you know, mm-hmm. you know, people people usually don't post a lot of content that's that goes that in depth, in you know the information and the cases and the and just the health aspect of optometry and ophthalmology. So yeah, we're really excited for you to come on here today. <laughs> well, it's I'm like- glad to be
2: here. And I just I started doing them because it was COVID and our yeah. clinics were down booked. But I was there in clinics, so I was like, okay, I might as well use this time to do something productive. So then it just became like a thing where would do a case every week and you know there's some weeks where I just it gets too busy and I just can't do it but I try to do it like at least twice a month now yeah um but I'm glad people are watching I mean I sometimes I see like I spend a lot of time doing it on Thursday Mm -hmm. night and then like only like 200 people watched I'm like (laughs) no but then sometimes I get like 600 people watching so I'm like okay I'll keep doing it then yeah (laughs) so
1: I definitely, like, go back and I'll rewatch a lot of your old videos, too, your old cases. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Yeah, like, I, a lot of, like, new grads who, like, sometimes message me, I'll, like, refer them out to yours. I'll, like, send them your uh, account. I'm, like, you have... Uh, thank you. Dr. (laughs) Bonick. I'm, like, any, like, narrow case, like, you go, the way you explain your process, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I love it. And, like, you know, it's, like, we like don't get to work the side with a lot of like, you know, especially OMDs or neuro-ophthalmologists. Yeah. And so it's nice to know what your, like the, your pro, uh, thought of process is and like, and it makes us more comfortable, like referring it out to a neuro-ophthalmologist or even like if something we can manage in our chair. Mm-hmm. Um. So definitely helped with my clinical skills a lot. Yeah, well, thank you. So thank keep you, keep, keep so doing nice those. It, you know, I, I say afford- it's very, very
2: reassuring to know that people yes. are benefiting from it. And sometimes my family's like, why do you spend so much time doing that? Like, who's watching it? I'm like, you'd be no. surprised. Like I sometimes I get DMs from people yes. all over the world, like in Africa. Like I have some people who come, you know, contact me from African countries where they don't have neuro or, you know, remote parts of Asia. And I'm like, OK, well, I guess people are are learning and watching. So I'll keep doing them. But thank yeah. you.
0: I was doing the same, um, especially with your, um, migraine facts, you know, Mm -hmm. there's so many patients that we have and we'll, we'll go into it a little bit more. I feel like we're already like going, getting ahead of ourselves, (laughs) but in general, um, it's quite interesting that, you know, sometimes I'll have patients who say they have a history of migraines. Um, and then, you know, I look into the ocular health, there there doesn't seem to be any ocular related signs. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of feel a little, like helpless, like you feel like you're very useless for your patient now because, you know, they say, well, my family doctor just gave me meds. They don't really know why I have migraines. I've actually been like Rav writing your Instagram uh, handle on like a sticky note and I'll actually give that to patients and just oh, say, oh, thank There's you. There's <laughs> a doctor in New York who just, you know, the her social media is just so easily accessible for patients to just read about migraine and know you know these are triggers for migraines these are some foods you can avoid some foods you can eat some practices you can do in your day-to-day routine and i'm like you know no one no one's taking the time to actually do that for their patients now, that actually leads into one of your questions um, for the podcast
2: is kind of like, how did I get into functional medicine? So I can explain about sure, that. Yeah. We
0: can actually, um, okay, well, let's get started before I keep like fangirling and embarrassing myself. Okay. <laughs> um, so Dr. Bonnick, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. We're really excited to get started. Would you please tell us just a little bit about yourself for all of our listeners?
2: Sure, so my name is Dr. Rudrani Banik, but I go by Dr. Rani for short, and I'm an ophthalmologist and I'm a fellowship trained neuro ophthalmologist and I live in New York City, I own a solo private practice, but I also teach. So I teach uh, residents and fellows and med students at Mount Sinai, at New York Eye near Infirmary. And um, I also do research there. So I do a little bit of everything. I have my private practice, which is really great. I get to work with patients directly and I love my patients. And then I have the teaching aspect. So I think it's, it's a really nice balance to have that.
0: Yeah. Everything about your social media and just who you are and how you practice is all about wellness uh well-being and functional medicine so what does functional medicine mean to you and how do you incorporate that practice into neuro-ophthalmology yeah great question
2: so I actually didn't even know what functional medicine was until about seven seven or eight years ago I never even heard the term before And, and what happened was that you know I was working very hard um uh, back then, I was full time academic. So, you know, seeing patients, teaching, doing surgery, et cetera. And I was under a lot of stress. And uh, I had migraines from before. I had migraines since I was in med school, but I would get them pretty sporadically, maybe like once or twice a year. But my migraines kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I'd been to pretty much all the top migraine doctors in New York City. And they just kept prescribing me medication after medication after medication. And I wasn't getting better. And um, I felt like a zombie, you know, walking around with, you know, and this brain fog because of the headache plus the side effects of the medicines. And I said, there must be a better way. There must be a better way to take care of my migraines than taking these meds. And then I started to do some research and I realized, oh, well, there's actually a lot of information out there on uh, supplements, like magnesium in particular, B vitamins. And then I kept going further. And then I was talking to one of my colleagues and he's like, oh, well, you know, if you have these migraines, maybe you should consider a functional medicine approach. And I said, what is that? I don't don't even know what that means. Like, please tell me. So he said, well, it's a way to look at health, chronic disease, um, and really look at it in terms of not just one organ system, but look at it holistically, like all the organ systems working together. And think of your Your body is we should be in balance, but our body gets out of balance when we have some disease or chronic issue. And the goal of functional medicine is to get it back in balance. And it really is the foundation of functional medicine or treatments in functional medicine are based in nutrition. Mm -hmm. And so I was really fascinated by this because, you know, honestly, again, I've been to all these doctors and not one of them had ever asked me, like, what are you eating? What are you drinking? How much do you sleep? How much stress do you have? And all those were triggers for my my own migraines, and so once I started to address all of that, I realized, oh my goodness, like there are so many things I can do, and a lot of my migraine was stemming from my own choices, my own unhealthy choices. Like I was, and I'll admit this readily, I was living off of pizza, ice cream, and diet soda. That was my, oh my diet from like, I don't med school on like before med school, college onwards. So years mm-hmm. and years I was eating like that, and I never once thought that maybe that's what triggering my migraines or like perpetuating my migraines. So once I fixed that, to make a long story short, once I fixed that, um, I realized the impact of functional medicine on my own health. And I realized what well, this is something I really, um, I think that needs to be out there more with most traditionally trained healthcare providers are just not trained in this way to think about the body being out of balance and how to get it back in balance. And so then I started to get certification in functional medicine and now I offer it to my patients, not just for migraine, but for eye conditions also. So in a nutshell, that's kind of how it all came about.
1: Yeah. And I feel like I can relate to that. My yeah. diet during ICO days was horrible. Yeah, It was like quick meals, especially during mm-hmm. like exam times. Like,
0: Yeah. yeah Whatever like, we could find in the fridge. Yeah. Just kind of grab that together for random things together and just yeah it's so unfortunate you
1: you like you
2: resort to these unhealthy foods because they're easy to get Um, but you you know especially when you're working so hard you need to have nutritional support and the other thing that was my my um, downfall was caffeine like I was drinking so much caffeine I was having between eight to 12 caffeinated drinks a day. And I never once thought that was a problem. I was just, that's what I did. And once I realized that that was not a good thing and I started to cut back on it, then I realized, okay, my migraines are finally really starting to get better. So it really had a a tremendous impact on my own life, my health and my career. So I'm really glad I kind of stumbled onto this. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Caffeine is a killer. I I've seen that so many times in my patients too, even you know, patients who aren't really students or studying, but, you know, in in the GTA, I have a lot of patients who are truck drivers, they drive long hours overnight and they'll say, you know, I get headaches all the time. And the first question I'll ask now that we've I've read a lot of your social media content, I'll always say, how many times are you stopping by Tim Horton's drive-through and getting a double-double or a French <laughs> vanilla? And they're like, oh, I'll have like four cups within it's like, crazy. you know, yeah. three hours. And I'm like, that's, there you go. You, you got to start that there. Out. Exactly. It makes such a big difference.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's so important. And pa- patients don't know, like they don't know that caffeine can be such a trigger. And I didn't even realize it. I mean, it's, it's really mm-hmm. something, I think it's so simple to raise awareness of just to ask that simple question. Like, what are you eating? What are you drinking? How much do you sleep? Yeah. And if you just ask those three questions for most migraine patients, you can address a lot of their triggers. Just with those three questions,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. yeah. So, kind of moving on, um, talking about like ocular health now. So, what made you so passionate about nutrition and wellness when it comes to ocular health prevention?
2: So, as I was doing my training in functional medicine, I was trying mm-hmm. to relate it back to eye health and, yeah. and brain health, also as a ophthalmologist, And I realized in my research, um, just kind of reading about all the common conditions like cataract and glaucoma, macular degeneration. All of these things are age-related conditions, yes, but they're all triggered by oxidative stress and cumulative oxidative stress, mm-hmm. and a lot of that can be addressed through eating a proper diet, and there are many studies, um, both from the US, from uh, Europe, from Asia, that that really show that people that diet is so important for eye health and for people who have lots of uh, healthy nutrition in their diet, meaning lots of antioxidants. Oxidants in their diet, they have lower rates of all of these conditions. And so that really kind of sparked my interest. And then I really started to do a deep dive into various conditions and how we can kind of prevent them through proper nutrition. And then I ended up focusing on macular degeneration. Um, so I actually have a book coming out, in the early fall, everything's been delayed because of COVID and everything. But um, I'm really excited about this book. It's been kind of like two or three years in the making. But I go into a deep dive on macular degeneration, like all the nutritional science of like what you can do to prevent it, and and lifestyle mm-hmm. you know uh, choices. And I realized you know it's just it's a matter of educating patients because they don't know. Uh, Many of them don't even know what a cataract is, they don't know what dry eye is, they don't know what glaucoma is, but if you educate them, and you make them aware that their food choices can have an incredible impact on their vision, long term, not just now, but you know if they're thinking like 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road, what they choose now will have an impact on their vision health for a lifetime and just raising that awareness makes such a big difference.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. Um, I'm excited for that ebook to come out too. Um, I think some of our listeners will enjoy some of the questions we ask in a little bit about macular degeneration, Mm -hmm. because of course, that's one of the most common eye diseases all of us are seeing, um, you know, especially with our elderly population. Um, So like we've we've mentioned, you know, you do stress the importance of nutrition throughout all of your public platforms um, and throughout your practice. And you've mentioned on your Instagram posts, particularly that you've had some patients actually come off their medications completely uh, due to improving their nutritional diet and overall well-being. Would you mind giving us some examples of what particular like medical and ocular conditions could significantly improve or fully resolve just even with nutrition alone? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So, um, Uh, one particular patient comes to mind. This is um, he is is a gentleman who was in his uh, mid 60s. And he was uh, overweight, he was pre diabetic, he had hypertension, high cholesterol, um, cardiac issues that he really wasn't taking care of, he just wasn't taking care of himself. And sometimes he would take his medicine, sometimes he wasn't. And this is someone who was highly educated, he was actually an engineer who had retired. Um, So he just didn't really think much about all of these conditions. And he just went on with his lifestyle lifestyle choices, nutrition, etc. And then what happened was he ended up getting um, an NAION in one eye. uh, So ischemic optic neuropathy. And I talked to him about, you know, the importance of uh, uh, just maintaining good overall health to try to prevent a stroke uh, in the other eye, really, that was really my focus for him. And I just made him aware of, you know, just by changing um you know the the types of foods that he's eating particularly he had a very high sugar diet um uh, lots of fried foods unhealthy fats um and just and it wasn't overnight obviously so you know these were multiple discussions over weeks to months uh but you know making those changes in his diet um when he finally decided to do it and the reason why he ended up doing it was not because of his eye issue he actually ended up having a, a heart attack And that was kind of his, like his wake, wake up call. Like, okay, now I really need to do this. But once he did it, it was incredible. He lost 30 pounds. Um, I put him on a very specific diet that I call the cardiometabolic diet uh, to address diabetes, high blood pressure, metabolic syndrome, Uh, but he lost 30 pounds. He came off of his blood pressure meds and his doctor was previously gonna put him on uh, metformin and maybe something else for his diabetes. And then he's like, I don't need it anymore. And the only thing he was taking was a statin, basically, Mm -hmm. because he'd had the heart attack. But it was so incredible to see this incredible change in someone who was so resistant to it. Uh, But I think, you know, I think it sometimes takes an event like that to happen, like something very serious Mm -hmm. to happen for people to realize, okay. I really need to start paying attention to my own health and what i'm eating and what i'm doing and he also started exercising which he never did before so he was one of my uh i guess you could call him like one of my poster children for uh, these types of interventions and the other thing was um he actually had sleep apnea and and we all know that sleep apnea is a risk factor for so many eye conditions including naion Uh, but after he lost all that weight and his his hypertension improved his doctor said, "Oh, you don't have to wear the CPAP anymore." He wasn't really wearing it anyway, but mm-hmm. you know, he no longer needed that, which was really fantastic. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so it really can work. It's just you have to have a patient who is going to be dedicated and and compliant with whatever treatment regimen you give them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you just, work? Oh, sorry, do you work with a like a nutritionist alongside?
0: I was gonna ask that too. <laughs> uh,
1: I wish I, I wish I did. You know, I don't have
2: one in my practice, and um, I've thought about perhaps hiring a part-time nutritionist.
1: Yeah. Uh, but what yeah. I
2: do is, uh, you know, my practice is um, it's very unique uh, mm-hmm. in the sense that I don't see a high volume of patients. Mm-hmm. Um, I see, uh, you know, the most like twelve to fifteen patients in a day. Which is really uh, very low compared to most practices, but it allows me to spend a lot of time with my patients, mm-hmm. yeah. and I actually I counsel them myself on mm-hmm. this. And I think when it comes for me, um, you know, they definitely we we definitely have a very close doctor patient relationship, but I think they're much more inclined to follow my guidelines. Yeah. And then I have lots of. Um, uh, resources for them. So I give them specific, like I was mentioning, I have a cardiometabolic diet that I give them yeah. um, for other types of conditions. I use a uh, mitochondrial diet to promote mitochondrial health. Um, I have another diet that I use for autoimmune conditions. I have very specific diets that I use mm-hmm. and um, I call them therapeutic diets. Yeah. So it's not just, like, Oh, it's not a fad diet or it's not like yeah. a weight loss diet or, you know, one of those I, I make, I, I try to really inf- uh, not enforce, but really, kind of relate to them that this is part mm-hmm. of their health. This is a prescription that I'm giving them. Mm-hmm. And when I do it that way, I think they're much more likely to comply. Uh, and it's, it, again, it requires
0: effort and it has to be the right patient because not all patients are going to be able to do it. Yeah. Where are you finding the resources to develop those diet plans? Um, is this part of like a functional medicine training? Um, or are you just researching and then putting it together all by yourself, just based on what you've researched? Yeah. So, um, so actually, so uh,
2: the the institute that I'm I'm certified with that is called Institute for Functional Medicine, IFM, mm-hmm. and they have a um, it's a very long certification process. Uh, it actually takes several years. Um, it's taken me like wow. three or four years to finish their coursework, mm-hmm. and it's online, or you can go in person to their um to their uh events and their their um their modules their training modules but uh, they provide a lot of the resources and basically what i do is i take those resources and i tailor them to eye health because they're not designed for eye health um you know they're designed for general health Uh, again Mm -hmm. autoimmune conditions or or um like neurodegenerative conditions like parkinson's alzheimer's that's what they're designed signed for, but I tailored, I adjust it. And they also have some wonderful resources on specific diets. So um, what by diet, what I mean is uh, to go a step further, meaning like they'll have a sample meal plan. So like a whole week's worth of like meals and recipes, like this is what you should yeah. eat for breakfast and lunch and dinner. And these are your snacks that you can have. So it really, I think patients really love to have that because it gives them, a, a path that they can yep. follow rather than just like oh th- just eat this it's it's just it's overwhelming sometimes but if you give them like very specific guidelines you can eat this but you can't eat that um mm-hmm. it really is easier to follow that way and i'm very fortunate that i have those resources because if i had tried to make it myself it's it would be very time consuming um, yeah like the macular degeneration one that goes along with my book that's coming out, that I did myself. Like that's mm-hmm. completely my own, and it took me a very long time to create that. So, yeah, um, yeah. It's sometimes it's good to repurpose things that other people have done, and uh, yeah, and-, and, tailor and tailor
0: it, so. it to um, eye health. Um, I will have to talk to you later then about what I should be doing for my thyroid disease. Um, I'm also a person who doesn't want to be on medication, you know, uh, you know, that's just who I am. I really Mm -hmm. want to try to eat healthy and exercise and see what I can do. But I asked them specifically, is there anything that I should be eating or not be eating for my thyroid levels to go down? And they had no idea. They were just like, no, there's really nothing you can do. You just got to take the medication and that's it. And like seven years later, I'm still just taking the medication. I have no idea what I should be. And so it's, it's it's just interesting to hear that there are different sort of um, like diet or nutritional guidelines for different, you know, conditions to help balance your body. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the unfortunate thing is that most doctors um, who are, who go through
2: traditional training, mm-hmm. um, they don't get proper training in nutrition. And I can, I mean, I went to med school a long time ago, like, you know, I can remember maybe half a day's worth of nutrition. And all we learned about were just like the B vitamins and A and yeah. D and K, and that was about it. And, you know, maybe the major food groups, like uh, the macronutrients like carbohydrates, fats, proteins, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And really in terms of health, like, I think that most, most practitioners really should get more in-depth training and in nutrition because what we eat has such an impact on our health. And uh, in functional medicine, a lot of people like to say food is medicine. So if you eat the right foods, meaning choosing the right foods and also not eating certain foods, you can really change the tra- trajectory of your health. Um, and again, sometimes get off of medication. So I have some great resources for you for Hashimoto's um, I that I will, I'll send you. That I will send <laughs> I've you. I've
1: been absolutely. waiting seven years.
0: I need them. <laughs> yeah.
1: I have like a book I just recently bought. It's called um, "This Is Your Brain on Food." Have you heard about it? heard of that, that by Dr. Naidu? Naidu? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've heard of the book, but I haven't read it. Haven't so it, like, it kind of like similar, but it talks about like uh, how food affects your mental health. It talks about like depression, anxiety. Uh, so um, yeah. that's my next to read. So I'm excited to read that one right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and and now we're learning, especially with children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are so many. Um, food related issues that can happen. Of course, we know about allergies and things like yeah. that, but even they're linking now, you know, behavioral issues like ADHD to kids' diets. And, mm-hmm. and it's just so important to be aware of it. And, you know, for, for people who are parents, you know, to teach their kids the right way. Um, yeah, I think I think most people are, are realizing, not most people, but it's just becoming more um uh the awareness is is more is heightened now in yeah. terms of especially after the pan or during the pandemic about how we need to stay healthy how we need to boost our immune systems boost all of our systems and just be proactive about it rather than just kind of mm-hmm. not think about it so
0: yeah yeah so um,
1: I know you provide a lot of free down, downable eBooks on nutrition and ocular health, and some of these eBooks reviews review healthy food to prevent autoimmune conditions. Would you rec- Would you mind summarizing a few of the most important ones for our listeners?
2: Yeah. So in terms of autoimmune disease, mm-hmm. um, there is a very close link between our gut health and our immune system. So what we eat can Mm -hmm. trigger inflammation that can ultimately lead down the road to autoimmune conditions. So um, in terms of diet, I would say there's, first of all, think about what you should not be eating because those Mm -hmm. certain foods can be pro-inflammatory. And oftentimes I usually tell my patients who have autoimmune conditions to eliminate certain foods. And the top food groups that I tell them to eliminate are dairy, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: gluten, and (laughs) nightshade. (laughs) (laughs) and and I know I mean that's that's I know it's all the good food (laughs) it's all the it's all the food we love right so I used to be the same way and um and it's not that you have to cut them out forever it's just to get your body back in balance to heal your gut then can that can then um impact your immune system and down kind of down regulate your immune system that immune response that autoimmune response so i usually have people do something called an elimination diet which is like a basic kind of principle of of functional medicine is for for three weeks you eliminate certain foods Mm -hmm. and actually if you think about the way our immune cells live like these cells and t-cells um, their lifespan is actually three months, or B cells live about three months. So if you really want to follow an illumination diet, you should really do it for three months. Mm-hmm. And you should kind of like get those cells that are pro-inflammatory out of your system. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then what you can do is for those food groups, you can slowly start to reintroduce certain foods. So, um, and then kind of test yourself, you know, have like a little bit of it, like a little bit of dairy one day, and then a little bit more and a little bit more and make sure your body's not reacting to it. And if it is, if it does react to it, cut it out. Um, I can't tell you how many of my patients, particularly, I, I deal with a lot of autoimmune conditions like thyroid eye disease and myasthenia and MS and so many, specifically my myasthenics, so many of them are sensitive to dairy. So they'll do the elimination diet and then they'll be feeling great and be able to lower their prednisone dose and lower their meds. And then they'll just have a little bit of dairy and that just tips them over. Then they'll have a flare and they know it. They'll, they'll say, oh my goodness, I you know accidentally ate some cheese or there was a little bit of dairy in this one thing I ate and their body reacts like that. And it's so interesting to see that Immediate reaction,
0: yeah. and I
2: think it carries over to many other autoimmune diseases as well. So, yeah.
1: so kind of going back to your book about uh, macular degenerations. Um, so, as optometrists, we typically recommend patients to eat green leafy vegetables. So we say, kales, eat your kale, spinach, broccoli." That's my lines <laughs> yeah. uh, to prevent macular degeneration is there a more detailed list of foods or ingredients we should be recommending to our patients on a regular basis?
2: Yes. So um, so in my book, I address this about, mm-hmm. you know, the green leafy vegetables. Yeah. So the reason we say eat green leafy vegetables is because they have high levels of lutein and zeaxanthin uh, that I like to call vitamins L and vitamin Z and also mesozeaxanthin, which is vitamin M. They're not really vitamins, but they're like their eye health nutrients. Mm-hmm. And they, those are pigments that are found in the retina. Um, and they basically are our natural, our eyes, natural sunglasses, our eyes, natural blue blockers. So they absorb light, tox, you know, wavelengths of light, and they neutralize them. And they prevent toxicity in the retina, phototoxicity or photo oxidative stress. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we say eat lutein, eat zeaxanthin, because there are natural protection or natural shields. Um, now, the unfortunate thing is that, Uh, people aren't necessarily told how much to eat. And the reality is, and in my research, what I've learned is that we need about 6.5 milligrams of lutein a day, uh, adults, Mm -hmm. and we need about one to two milligrams of zeaxanthin a day. And most of us probably get less than uh, one to two milligrams of lutein in less than one milligram of zeaxanthin. So we're very deficient in what we're eating from our diets. And even people on the best of diets, unfortunately, just don't get enough of these green leafy vegetables. So I think you have to go further. And I call mm-hmm. it going beyond leafy greens. So you have to eat other foods that also have lutein and and zeaxanthin, and perhaps even take a supplement. In my research, I found that we need to go even beyond the A-reds because um, you know, we hear about, you know, we lutein, zeaxanthin, also vitamin C, vitamin E that, that are in A-reds, and also uh, copper and zinc, but we need to go beyond that. There are actually over 20 nutrients our eyes need to stay healthy and prevent macular degeneration. Um, like we need antioxidants like glutathione, alpha lipoic acid. Um, and acetylcysteine and these things we probably never most people have probably never even heard of them because we never really got Mm -hmm. to study nutrition but uh, you know in my work I've found that these are all really important so anyway to get to your uh, to answer your question about what foods um, you know it isn't a specific what like one specific food You need to eat a variety of foods and you need to eat and you need to rotate through them to get all those, all those nutrients our eyes need. So what I typically tell my patients is, yes, eat your green leafy vegetables, but you also want to cycle through all different colors from all different other vegetables. Like you want to have your various shades of green, you want to have yellows, oranges, like orange peppers, yellow peppers are rich in zeaxanthin and lutein. You want to have also reds. want to have blues purples blacks because they have great antioxidants those those types of foods and also egg yolk also has high levels of lutein and zeaxanthin so um i i think it's you know just to tell people just eat one food group isn't enough we need to kind of really uh, get them to change their eating habits to eat the Mm -hmm. whole rainbow of colors to get all
0: the nutrients their eyes need Mm -hmm. that's actually a lot more helpful because Um, it's true. Like we tell our patients to eat a lot of salads. I'll say, you know, have a lot of salads, have a lot of spinach, kale, arugula, rapini, whatever you can find. That's a leaf, throw it in your food and just eat it all day. Um, But it's true. You know, you don't really tell your patients how many times a day to be eating that, how much of a portion size you should be eating. Um, And, you know, so that really helps. I feel like I'm definitely going to be telling our patients more often to just, I'm going to say, just go to the grocery store and pick out the rainbow, all the colors, and then (laughs) just eat them throughout the week. Exactly. So so a a a, a tip that
2: I tell my patients is, and this is a really kind of a practical tip. It's very easy for them to follow. I ask them how many meals do they have in a week? And most people have three meals a day. So it's 21 meals a week. And I tell them, choose a different color with each meal. So during the week, you're going to get 21 different colors and that make, that Mm. forces them to eat lots of different things, not just the same thing over and over again. And the other, the other thing I tell them is in terms of green leafy vegetables and, you know, those, those specific types of vegetables have three to five cups a day. And initially Mm. there, most of them are like, I can't do that. No, that's that's too much. (laughs) But, uh, but what I tell them is, you know, if you have a green smoothie once a day. That's three cups right there, yeah. at least. I mean, you know, maybe you can put even more in there. So you can get like three to four cups right there. Mm-hmm. And then you have like during your other two meals of the day, you have some other very various different colors and you're getting it just like that. So in my book, I talk about this. And also uh, as a companion to the book, I actually teach a course called Eat Right for Your Sight and Beyond. And it's, you know, teaching them how to eat for macular, degen- to prevent macular degeneration. Yeah. And in that course, I have resources, like I have um, a guide, the macular degeneration diet, which has 12 therapeutic foods. And I explain to them, like how to cycle through these foods every week. Like, so I, yes, the vegetables, the fruits that are really important, the, you know, the omega-3s that are really important, um, nuts, like the specific types of nuts that are really important. So there's just, you know there's just so much people can do and they don't have to eat mm-hmm. the same thing every day they can have variety in their diet and they can still enjoy their diet but they just need to be kind of shown okay this is how you do it yeah. um
0: that's really helpful i think a lot of our listeners will love that too because um yeah i feel like we are we have the best interest you know for our uh, macular degeneration patients but sometimes even i feel like I don't think I'm really helping when I tell them to just eat green leafy vegetables. I feel like I'm doing half the work.
2: You are helping because most people don't eat those. (laughs) They don't have any, (laughs) right? So at least you're, you're telling them eat these specific things. At least they're getting started on the path. And yeah, that's the most important thing, like taking that first step.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, so switching gears a little bit here, um, you also have a YouTube channel which um, previously offered a series called Migraine Minute where you share information for patients to conquer their migraines. So based off of these videos um, for our listeners, you know, what nutritional or lifestyle changes could we as optometrists recommend regularly um, to our patients with a history of migraines?
2: Yeah, so um, first of all, just asking them if they're mm-hmm. having headaches and, and light sensitivity and migraines, because so many people are underdiagnosed. Uh, yeah. So I think that's the first step. But if someone knows that they're having migraine, if they're having you know classic symptoms, um, you know, nutrition and lifestyle are, again, the cornerstone of migraine therapy. Yes, you can take medications, et cetera, if necessary. But really, you can prevent your migraines if you address a couple of important things. Um, first, I would say, I would say is hydration. And a lot of people probably don't think about it. but so many of my patients, um, have come in with visual aura because they were dehydrated. You know, maybe they were out in the sun all day. They were in the heat. They got dehydrated. They just weren't drinking, or maybe they had a really intense workout. They just, you know, they were in the gym. And I can't tell you how many young people experience aura, and they're, you know, they get scared because it's like they're having a stroke, but it's just their their first experience of having migraine, and it can be prevented by just staying very well hydrated. Um, so that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is like what we talked about before is addressing their caffeine. And, you know, I just asked them how many caffeinated beverages do you drink a day? And what I, you know, if they drink more than like two, I usually ask them to try to slowly cut it down to one a day. It's not that they have to cut it out completely, but even if they can reduce it gradually by half a cup a week, they can get down to maybe that one beverage a day. And then the food issue. So food is such a um, complicated topic when it comes to migraines because certain foods can be triggers and other foods can be maybe helpful. So, and and everyone is different. So like Mm -hmm. what someone's trigger is may not be someone else's trigger. So for that, they really have to keep a migraine diary Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of, you know, if they have an attack, kind of think back and be a detective and think about what foods do they eat? eat, um, You know, what may, what ingredient may have triggered it. For example, like, um, uh, processed foods have a lot of preservatives so that can be triggered. Like MSG is a trigger for many people, and it's it's a preservative in many processed foods, and also in a lot of Chinese food. Um, other for other people, it could be fermented foods like fermented cheeses, wines that can be a trigger for some people. Um, chocolate is actually not not a trigger. I talked about this in my social media, so that's a good that's good news. Yeah. Uh, chocolate's not a trigger for migraine. Um, uh, but there are just so many other triggers that people can have or too much sugar, too much salt, Mm -hmm. like things like that. They just have to really think about, uh, you know, what may have, have thrown their, again, their, their brain off that caused Mm -hmm. this attack of migraine.
0: Yeah. I'm sure a lot of our listeners get migraine patients in their chair very often. And like I was mentioning earlier, sometimes when it's not ocular related, you kind of feel like there's nothing else you can really say to your migraine patient to make them feel better or to give them advice um, but that really helps too and um yeah I definitely started giving more of my migraine patients just resources to say hey it doesn't look like there's any ocular triggers like if they don't have light sensitivity they're not experiencing auras but I'll say you know what go on this website or, you know, check her, check Dr. Bonnick's, you know, social media, and you'll learn a lot about what your triggers may be. So it's kind of pushing them in, the, in the, the right direction for them to reflect and learn what their triggers could be to avoid them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we can help our patients be advocates for their own health because a lot yeah. of them don't know where to turn or what to do. Mm-hmm. And they just think, oh, I have this condition and, you know, I get these debilitating migraines and there's nothing yeah. I can, can do for them. And there really is a lot they can do that's in their power without having to take a prescription medication.
0: Yeah. And of
2: course, yeah, some people do need prescription medications, but, mm-hmm. um, and stress and sleep. So stress is like when it comes to migraines, stress is the elephant in the room. Uh, you know, most doctors don't ask their patients about their stress levels, but I can t- tell you the majority of my migraine patients their symptoms are so much worse when they're stressed whether it's from work or from home or their neighbors or covid or whatever's happening in their lives stress is a major major trigger and if they can find ways to reduce their stress and this kind of goes back to lifestyle so Mm -hmm. you know finding something that helps calm you down something that helps put you in a different mental state uh, whether it's reading a book or going for a walk or listening to music or spending time with family or friends just kind of encouraging them to deal with their stress and address it, not just ignore it and let it
0: build yeah. up, but actually address it. Yeah. That's important. Any
1: um, thoughts on those, the rose tint um, glasses, or they called the FL- FL-41. Or, FL-41s for migrants. Yeah. yeah. You... So,
2: so I actually, um, I found out about them because one mm. of my colleagues in neuro-ophthalmology, he started doing research with them years back and, and, mm. um, and he has a company that makes the FL41s, but basically it's, it's a rose color tint and mm. uh, that specific tint blocks out some of the, the wavelengths within the blue spectrum that yeah. trigger migraine. So it's very effective for many people who are light sensitive. So not just actually, not just migraine patients, but people who are light sensitive in general. Yeah. Uh, mm. uh, for example, I also see a lot of patients with concussion, traumatic brain injury, um, or just people who have light colored eyes, light skin the mm-hmm. lighter pigmentation. Some people are very light sensitive, so, um, it can be very, very helpful and, um, they're different strengths. So some are, um, I actually don't have them with me. Otherwise I would show you, yeah. but so, there's one tint that's very light, like a light mm-hmm. pink tint, which may be okay for like indoors, but when people are outdoors, they may need to have a darker tint, some more of like a deeper red tint.
0: Um, okay, yeah. so
2: it can really be very, very helpful. And then there's actually, um, uh, I found also there's a, comp- a couple of companies that make FL41 tinted, uh, contact lenses. Ooh. So that can be really helpful for some people. Um, the only thing is, so it, it has a tint. So when people yeah. wear it, like you can see, like it looks a little bit unusual because it's a little pinkish, but Hey, if it helps their light sensitivity, I tell yeah. patients, you know, it's up to you if you, if you want to try it or not, but it could, yeah really make a big difference for you so
1: and so what are your thoughts on the current status of nutrition and wellness being incorporated into neuro-ophthalmology and general ophthalmology do you feel that your information has made it has made a positive impact in this area of healthcare or is there more work to be done
2: so much more work to be done i think we're just at the cusp of understanding how much nutrition plays a role Mm -hmm.
0: uh, or not just
2: understanding but i think um uh, again uh just promoting it and being you know advocating for it and i think that um as practitioners we need to uh study a little bit more about it because unfortunately most training programs have not focused on hopefully they do hopefully there's more of a uh kind of a Uh, formal learning when it comes to nutrition and and eye health. Yes, we know about omega-3s and dry eye, we know about lutein and zeaxanthin and macular degeneration, but that's kind of, I think, really just like the the tip of the iceberg in terms of understanding about eye health and nutrition. Um, And my goal is, um, so ultimately, uh, once after I, my book comes out, I'm a little bit busy this year. But ultimately, maybe next year, I would like to do an online course and and teach my colleagues, both in optometry and ophthalmology, and primary care, and you know, family practice about the important the importance of nutrition and what specific foods are best for which specific conditions, et cetera. And I think um, it would just really help practitioners better serve their patients mm-hmm. and help patients as well. So uh, that is something that I hope to do in the future at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're
1: excited for that. <laughs> I would love yeah. to be a part of that course or, you know, whenever you do that, I would definitely. Yeah. And now there. that, now that we're all on Zoom now,
2: it's yeah. kind of, you know, so easy to do because I think before mm-hmm. the pandemic, we didn't really appreciate all the, the technology we had working for yeah. us, but now it's much easier to reach, you know, a wider oh, yeah. audience. Yeah. And, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like more healthcare professionals across the board, not just optometry ophthalmology, but family practitioners specifically. Um, you know, I, I think we all know that nutrition will really help, um, a lot of systemic conditions, but it's just, we know that it does, but we don't really know how to explain that Mm -hmm. and provide that information and guidance for our patients. Um, so, I mean, You know, we're really happy that you are one of those health professionals that are sharing the information, not just for patients, but for us practitioners to talk with our patients and say, you know, these are, you know, specific foods that you can actually start incorporating in your diet to prevent ocular disease. These are things that you can actually start to avoid, you know, so that you don't develop diseases. Um, Yeah, it's just really helpful information. And I think we can all learn a lot more from functional medicine and nutrition. Um, Yeah, it's a very interesting area of healthcare that's not discussed enough. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And uh, when I was explaining about functional medicine earlier, I, I neglected to mention this, but functional medicine tries to find the root cause of disease. Mm-hmm. So, not just like to treat it on the surface and just cover it up like a band aid, like with a band aid, but really yeah. to get at the root cause and address it that way. And I think if we thought about, you know, started to rethink about how we think about it, conditions i think that would be very helpful like for example dry eye you know now we yes we do look at the meibomian glands and supporting meibomian gland health like that's addressing the root cause not just putting lubrication on it but just you know really getting to the root cause and I, i really hope that you know for conditions like cataracts and glaucoma and um some of the more rarer conditions like degenerations and dystrophies that we can start to look at it more of in a holistic way and relate it back to gut health, and immune system mm-hmm. health, and cardiovascular health, and and just be more holistic in our approach to eyes. Because we're, yes, we, we focus on, you know, such small organs, but really, they're so intimately connected with everything oh, yeah. else. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And then just to end off our interview today, are there any resources that you'd like to mention and share with our listeners if they are also interested in Learning more about functional medicine, medicine, nutrition, and they want to, you know, become certified or um, start providing these services to their patients. Yeah, I
2: would say um, you can visit the IFM website, Institute for Functional Medicine, and they have, you know, they're, they have a lot of information. It's a great website um, in terms of the certification process. Again, it's a very long and involved certification process, but it is very worth it. It's so worth it. And, you know, just so many things that we, as as traditionally trained uh, providers, we, we just never really learned about like the microbiome, for example, mm-hmm. the gut microbiome and how it impacts all aspects of health. And, and um, so I would encourage people to, to take a look at that um, and then in the future, um, again, I may be able to put together a course by 2022. I don't know exactly when that'll be. I may actually I actually do some webinars for some large organizations. So I've done a webinar on iHealth for IFM. Um, I've also done a, we- a webinar on iHealth for Integrative Practitioner, which is um, Another very large organization uh, focused on integrative approaches, holistic approaches, including naturopathy and functional medicine. So I think spreading the word, I think more and more people will have access to those types of resources and be able to offer them to their patients.
0: Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's great. We will add all of the information and resources in our description box. So for anyone who's interested, definitely look in there and you'll find more information if you want to learn more. Um, and we'll also include Dr. Bannick's, uh information as well, her website, her social medias, so that you can all learn about the amazing content that we've been raving about before this interview thank you. Even started. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah. But thank you so much, Dr. Bannock, for making mm-hmm. it on our podcast. We really appreciate it. We had such a great time getting to know you. Thank you.
2: And same here. Yeah. I enjoyed chatting with you both and learning more about you and what you do.
0: So I'm glad yeah. we, we
2: met through Instagram. It was wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: We will definitely chat with you another day because we want to learn more. We want to pick your brain a lot more too, about neuro-ophthalmology mm-hmm. specifically too, not, not based on nutrition, but just you know, how optometry and neuro ophthalmologists can, um, you know, co-manage patients, make referrals. Um, so we'll definitely keep in touch so that we can pick your brain a lot more about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> it's actually my,
2: my first passion was neuro ophthalmology and then the yeah. second passion became nutrition and wellness. So yeah, I'd love to talk about neuro ophthalmology and yeah, I'd love to, to chat about, you know, if you have specific cases you wanted to review, I'd be happy yeah. to, to do that at some yeah. point in the future.
1: Thank you to everyone for listening to 4Eyes. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating to give us feedback on how we're doing. You can also check us out on Instagram at 4EyesOpton for more content. Look out for new episodes every Wednesday. So until then, stay tuned.